0: Well, good morning, everyone. Oh, let's try that again. Good morning, everyone. That's a little better. Please take your Bibles and turn to the book of Genesis, chapter 11 today. And we'll be starting in verse 27 of 11. You'll notice there's a, a long list of descendants from chapter, from verse 10 to 26 in chapter 11. But we'll pick up our narrative in verse 27, and continue into 12 for a few verses. Genesis 11, verse 27. Here we have our author Moses giving us the account of early things. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nehor, and Haran, and Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father, Terah, in the land of his kindred in ur of the Chaldeans and Avram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah and the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Isca. Now, Sarai was barren. She had no child. Terah took Abram, his son and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son, Abram's wife, And they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I'll make of you a great nation. And I'll bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel, Bethel, and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on still going toward the Negev. May the Lord add his blessing at the hearing and the reading of his word this morning. Well, he was born on November 7th, 1918 in a frame house on a dairy farm. Like many others in their day, his parents were hardworking people who knew the value of a dollar and the meaning of self-discipline. Perhaps less ordinary, however, was their belief in God and devotion to seeking his wisdom and blessing for their family and for a world in need. To them, the Bible was the very word of God and their prayers declared their dependence on him through any circumstance. As the times proved, circumstances were trying and challenging, and from drought to depression, dust and destitution, people everywhere desperately searched the horizon for hope, that place where answers to prayer lives. And God's faithfulness, as always, would prove gracious and absolute. In a time of penny candy, nickel sodas, hair tonic, blushing brides, traveling preachers, and Sunday suppers, people were optimistic and busy. With so many other things to do, most young people were not thinking about things like Christian service and dying to self. Although it is true that this young man enjoyed having fun, there was more. Somewhere deep, something fundamental was working inside him, In May of 1934, the Christian businessman of his hometown secured permission to hold an all-day prayer meeting. And on that day, a prayer was raised that out of their town the Lord would raise up someone to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. It was in that year this previously reluctant young man gave his life to the Lord at a revival meeting led by traveling evangelist Reverend Mordecai Ham. At 16 years old, this young man was about to experience the transformation of a traditional farm boy into an instrument of God. In the time of burgeoning modernism of science and philosophy, this young man came to a crisis in his own faith. He walked in the woods one night seeking God's direction for his faith. Why was he here? What was his purpose? What was he supposed to do with his life? The answer, the Bible. The Bible. Sealed by a prayer, Father, I'm going to accept this as your word by faith. I'm going to allow faith to go beyond my intellectual questions and doubts. I will believe this to be your inspired word. And after graduating from high school, he enrolled at Florida Bible Institute, now Trinity College, and began to lead prayer meetings at a nearby trailer park and downtown Mission Hall. He also preached at a local church as an ordained minister of the Southern Baptist Convention. It was at this time other churches began inviting him to speak. Well, beloved, we are all longing for answers to life's deepest questions. Why are we here? Why are you here? What is our purpose? What should we be doing? What really matters? Unfortunately, we are often so caught up with our own selfish desires and our own personal agenda that we easily miss out on the wonder of what God really has for us. And only with God can we find what we are really looking for. As we'll see in our study today, we need to listen to God's call in our lives, making sure we are where he wants us to be. As we listen to his voice and follow his leading, he promises to direct our paths, bless us and build us up in our faith. We need to do all we can to be a blessing to everyone around us, faithfully living under his clear direction. God is the one who will make us a blessing to others. He is the one who will protect us. He is the one who will lift us up to use us in a mighty way for his ultimate glory. In our series, we've gone back to the beginning, to the book of Genesis. Two weeks ago, we looked at the tower where God came down and confused all the languages and the people dispersed all over the world. Today we're talking about the call of Abram. Moving from primeval history to what is now known as patriarchal history in the Bible. We've been following the promised seed from Genesis 3.15 where God said there would be a child that comes from the woman who would destroy evil once and for all. And we followed that seed line all the way to Noah. And now we can follow the same seed line all the way to Terah who is the father of Abraham. At this point in our account, we have seen at least three attacks on the seed line so far. Remember, Cain and Abel. The evil one thinks, I know if I can get one of the boys from Adam and Eve to follow me and have him kill the other, ha ha, I win. But no, the seed line went through Seth. We saw the intermarriage between the satanic line and the godly line, those who were descendants from Seth versus those who were descendants of Cain. And God caused a great flood to come. And of course, the Tower of Babel incident that we just saw two weeks ago. Is God still at work? How will the Messiah come and through whom? Well, let's take a look at a map here. Let's pull it up. We are on the right side here, Ur of the Chaldeans. This is where Abram and his family are gonna come from, from Terah. They're gonna travel northwesterly up to Haran and eventually they'll end up in Canaan, down south, coming to Shechem, as we read in our account This is where we are. This is where we're going. Now, mind you, as we come into this particular account, when we come to Genesis chapter 12, there are three major thematic elements we need to be looking for in terms of God's promises to his people. First of all, there's the promise of an ongoing relationship of blessing. God wants to bless his people, those who belong to him, those who are his. But not only that, they'll have a place. There's a promise of land. There's also a promise of progeny, a promise of people, children will be coming. So stay tuned to that. That theme, Those three themes will show up uh, over and over again through our, our course of study over the weeks to come. This morning, I do happen to have a pop quiz for you. I have four questions by way of our outline. But before we study, let's ask God's help. Would you please pray with me? Our gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time we have in your word. Lord, uh, it just doesn't seem enough take 30, 35 minutes out of a week's time and say, yep, we're good. And No, we're not. We need more. And so, Lord, help us to, to, to drink deeply from this incredible, unfathomable cistern. There's always more to, to, to find with what you have to say. We can never come to the bottom of it. So, Lord, be our teacher, be our guide. Help us to hear from you today, not from this speaker. We want to hear what you have to say through these words from this text thank you lord for attending to us by the power of your holy spirit through your word we pray this in your son's wonderful and awesome name amen if you have your sermon notes outlined here's the first pop quiz question are you listening for god's call on your life are you are you listening for god's call look what it says in verse one of our passage in chapter 12 now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house. Here, God calls Abram to go. This is an imperative. It is a command. I want you to go. Go from your country. Throughout the Bible, we see God's call in the lives of his people. Like the call of Moses in Exodus 3:4. The Lord saw that he had turned aside to see out of the burning bush, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am, which by the way, that's always a good thing to say when God is calling you, just say, I'm here. The call of Samuel, 1 Samuel 3, 4, the Lord called Samuel, and he said, here I am, and the call of the 12 disciples from Jesus in Matthew 4, verse 19, and he said to them, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men, and immediately they left their nets and followed him, or even the call of Paul, Romans 1.1, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, an apostle from the Greek word apostolos, called to be a sent one, sent out from Jesus himself, set apart for the gospel of God. In reflecting on this, I consider my own calling, and the verse I ran into years ago that touched my heart and helped me to understand my own call to the gospel ministry Ezra 7.10, for Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. I might not be doing it in Israel, but that's my heart as God has called me to study the law of the Lord, to not just study it, but to actually live it, to actually practice it, as some translations say, and then to teach it wherever I possibly can. I ask you, are you listening to God's call in your life? Well, as we all know, not everybody's called to be Abram, and not everybody's called necessarily to be a pastor. But just in case, there might be someone here who might be called to be a pastor, because I'd like to remind you that a long time ago, I was not too much different than any of you people from the standpoint of being a guy sitting in a pew listening to the other guy talk. I was an insurance guy making a living, minding my own business, doing very well. Matter of fact, and the Lord got a hold of me, and this book here, Martin Lloyd-Jones on preaching and preachers, describes what a gospel call sounds like, and dare I say, what it feels like. This is what Martin Lloyd-Jones says. By the way, Martin Lloyd-Jones, he was a medical doctor who left his practice to go into full-time preaching ministry. This is what he says. A preacher's not a Christian who decides to preach. He does not just decide to do it. He does not even decide to take up preaching as a calling. The reality is, preaching is never something that a man decides to do. What happens, rather, is that he becomes conscious of a call. The question is, am I called to be a preacher or not? And How do you know? I suggest that there are certain tests, he writes. A call generally starts in the form of a consciousness within one's own spirit an awareness of a kind of pressure being brought to bear upon one's spirit, some disturbance in the realm of the spirit, then that your mind is being directed to the whole question of preaching. You've not thought of it deliberately. You've not sat down in cold blood to consider possibilities and then having looked at several options have decided to take this up. It is not that at all. This is something that happens to you. It is God dealing with you and God acting upon you by his spirit. It is something you become aware of rather than what you do. It is thrust upon you. It is presented to you and almost forced upon you constantly in this way. Further, he says, but we must go on to something yet deeper. There should also be a sense of constraint. This is surely the most crucial test. It means that you have the feeling that you can do nothing else. It was Mr. Spurgeon, I believe, who used to say to young men, if you can do anything else, do it. If you can stay out of the ministry, stay out of the ministry. And I would certainly say that without any hesitation whatsoever. I would say that the only man who is called to preach is the man who cannot do anything else in the sense that he's not satisfied with anything else. This call to preach is so put upon him and such pressure comes to bear upon him that he says, I can do nothing else. I must preach. Prior to going into ministry, I was in an... A teacher in a public school is teaching mathematics. And I love to teach, and I love to teach mathematics. Mathematics is awesome. I know some of you don't believe that, but it's true. It's awesome. But there's something more awesome to teach, and that's God's Word. Then I found myself as a State Farm agent. I was an agent for 10 years, selling all kinds of policies, making a very good living. But you know, there was just no joy in selling one more policy. There just wasn't at all compared to sitting down and talking to someone about the claims of the gospel about what God has to say right. so I got two older brothers my oldest brother Dell. he became a teacher and so you know I became a teacher and then my brother Paul became a state farm agent so I became a state farm agent then my brother Dell became a pastor so I became a pastor I told Paul whatever you do next it better be awesome The reality is, God has called me. I, if you I, dare, I say kicking and screaming. It was not my plan years ago to ever be in this role doing this. Not at all. I'm really, some of you won't believe this, but I'm really an introvert. I'd rather be alone right now with my wife. But I'm out of my comfort zone to be doing this. Now, let's make sure we're understanding what we're talking about, calling. All vocational callings, all career callings that are morally consistent with God's word are indeed sacred. Perhaps you have been called to be a teacher or a skilled laborer or tradesman, a police officer, a nurse, business owner, domestic engineer, you homemakers out there. But through all those callings, I was doing everything I could to hear God's call on my life. Are are you trying to hear his call? Are you listening for God's call on your life? What does he want you to do? What is it that you can't not do that you'd be willing to leave everything to go do it? Secondly, this morning, are you where God wants you to be? First of all, here, As you follow his call, God will direct you. He will. Verse 1 said, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. God will direct you. He will show you where he wants you to be. God has a way of moving the right people to the right place at the right time for his right purposes. And you can trust him in that. But not only that, as you follow his call, God will honor you. He says here to our friend Abram, verse two, and I will make you make of you a great nation. God's gonna do the work. I'm gonna call you, you follow, but I'm gonna do great things in and through you. I will make of you a great nation. He will lift you up at the proper time, scripture says. Peter, remember 1 Peter 5, 6 here? Here's our friend Peter Who, Mr. Denier guy, remember that guy who denied Jesus three times and then Jesus restored him to ministry? This is Peter's advice to you, to me, to all of us. Humble yourselves. Do you think Peter understands what it means to be humbled? Yeah, I really blew it. Don't do what I did. Humble yourself, would you? Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. No matter what you're dealing with, no matter how you're wrestling with your calling, trust him in it. He can handle it. Psalm 75:10: all the horns of the wicked I will cut off, but the horns of the righteous shall be lifted up. This honor, this lifting up, only comes by way of humility. Matthew 23:12: Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Let God make the difference he'll honor you, he'll direct you. Thirdly here, he will bless you, scripture says. To the land that I will show you, he says to Abram, and I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you. Now the blessings of God are multifaceted and multidimensional. The blessing of peace, the blessing of joy, the blessing of a place, the blessing of a people, the blessing of provision, and the blessing of his promises And more than anything else, the blessing of his very presence as you pursue him with all due diligence. He will bless you. He will honor you. He will direct you. And not only that, but he will build your reputation. Notice what it says in verse 2, and how make your name great. Here we have in this particular account, not that, Abram's going to go make a great name for himself. Wasn't that the problem with the tower, the tower of Babel? They were going to create this huge thing in the wilderness and worship the stars. And as the text says, make a name for themselves. And God says, no, 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 don't do it that way. Let me make your name great. Now the alternative to following God, if you will not follow God, then you shouldn't expect his direction. If you don't follow him, you shouldn't expect any honor. If you're not following him, you shouldn't expect any blessing. If you're not following him, trusting him, don't expect him to build you up. Are you where God wants you to be? Let him build you up in his way, in his time. He can handle it. Sadly, there are those who want to puff themselves up. Let me be first. Let me be in the front. Let me have the biggest piece of pie. Even when I was a state farm guy I knew that I wanted God to build my business uh, There are those who are in church communities who they see the church as a marketing opportunity And of course you end up running from people like that right Oh here comes that guy For me I never never once asked anybody in my church over Wisconsin do business with me I never asked anybody did I end up doing a lot of business with people in the church I did but I never asked for it God did that God built my agency he took care of me I wasn't going to make a name for myself I was going to let God do that now quite frankly you know in my heart of hearts we all wrestle with our own pride our own arrogance I know I do And so would I have liked to ask everybody? Yes, I would have liked to, but I knew I shouldn't do that. And I let him make the difference, and he did. Are you listening for God's call? Are you where God wants you to be? Thirdly here, are you becoming a blessing to everyone around you? (laughs) That's what God says he's gonna do with Abram. Verse two and three, so that I'm gonna do all this for you, so that you'll be a blessing. This is the second imperative. I want you to go, and I want you to be a blessing. In that process of our being a blessing to others, God will bless those who bless you. Bless you. Uh, In verse 3, I will bless those who bless you. It simply says that. This is God's promise to us. If you're purposing to be a blessing to others, God will uphold you, he'll bless you. But not only that, he'll protect you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse, verse 3. Here we don't have to fear. I don't have to be afraid. If someone wants to dishonor me, God will take care of that. Do I have to straighten out everybody who disagrees with me? Nope, not my job. That's his job. Remember Jesus as he's constantly under attack? And even as he's going to the cross, does he even say a word about it? No. He entrusts himself completely to his heavenly father, as we all need to do. God will protect you. I will bless those who bless you, and in whom who dishonors you, I will curse. I was reminded of Isaiah 43, as God speaks through Isaiah the prophet. But now, thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You're mine, are you hearing this language that God's using? You belong to me. You're mine. You don't have to be afraid. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. By the way, it doesn't say in this passage, if you pass through the waters. It's when, because you're going to go through it. You're going to go through some hard times. But you don't have to be afraid. Why? Because I'm with you. I'll protect you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. Sometimes it seems overwhelming, doesn't it? No, no. He says, I've got you. I'm not letting go. Amen. When you walk through the fire, you should not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. And man, sometimes it just feels pretty hot, doesn't it? Lord, what are you doing? Why is it so hot right now? Why, why is it so difficult? No, it might be a little warm, but you're not going to get burned. I've got you, God says. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Sheva, in exchange for you, because you are precious in my eyes. You're hearing this? This is God's view of you. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you belong to him, and this is his heart and his mind towards you, because you are precious in my eyes and honored. I love you, he says. And I give men in return for you, people in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I'll bring your offspring from the east and from the west. I will gather you. This is precisely what Pastor Nick spoke on last week with the Psalm 23 message. I fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. You're my shepherd now. I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I don't have to be afraid of anything because you're with me. He'll protect us. He'll uphold us. He will bless those who bless us. But thirdly here, God will use you in a mighty way. In verse 3 it says, I will bless those who bless you. and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And you go, wow, that's a tall order. And ultimately Abram was used to bless all the families of the earth through who? Through Christ. Remember when God says all of this, he is Already, this Abram is already 75 years old and childless. But God says of Abram through Paul, Galatians 3:16. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring, to his seed. Whenever you see offspring in our discussion throughout scripture, understand that's a seed, it's the seed line, the promised coming redeemer. Now the promises were made to Abram and to his offspring, to his seed, that is. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one and to your offspring, who is Christ, who now all the people of the world can be blessed through a personal relationship with Christ. And Matthew wrote in Matthew 1.1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, in Peter's first sermon, he told the Jews listening in Acts 3.25, you are the sons of the prophets under the covenant that God made with your father, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning everyone of you from your wickedness. And Paul adds in Galatians 3, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Paul adds in three twenty-nine of Galatians, and if you are Christ's, if you belong to him, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you're in the seed line of Abraham, and you have access to all the promises of God. That's awesome. There should be some amens. God is now purposing to use you in a mighty way for the sake of Christ. Will you be used by him? Are you becoming a blessing to everyone around you in the process? Of course, the alternative to being a blessing is to not be a blessing, where people are running from you instead of toward you, where there is no protection, where there is no purpose, I'll talk to the men for just a moment here. Men, just ask your wife whether or not you're a blessing or not. She'll let you know. And if you're a little short on the scale, then my challenge to you is, would you be a blessing? Would you find a way to bless your wife's socks off and your kids and your family? Oh, Oh, that men would lead here. Oh, that we would actually be a blessing to our families. In amazing ways. Lastly, last question, our pop quiz here. Are you living by faith under God's direction? And this is what we're going to see with Abram. Notice that Abram was asked to leave his country, right? That's what, that's what we're talking about. He's, he's been asked to leave his country. He's asked to leave his country, his people, his father's household, but he wasn't told anything about where he was going. <laughs> and he goes. How many of you make... Plans for your trips that way. I know some guys do. (laughs) GPS, who needs that? I'm not stopping for directions. Well, if you're following God, you don't need to. Trust him. He'll make it clear. Are you living by faith under God's clear direction? Faithfully obeying God's clear direction here. Verse four, so Abram went as the Lord had told him. God said to Abram, hey, I want you to go and I'm going to take you to a place. All right, let's go. Do you understand the faith it took to do that? Have you stepped out in faith? In what areas of life do you need to step out in faith, trusting him with where he might lead you, where he might guide you, faithfully obeying God's clear direction? For me, not only did I hear the call, I answered it. What call does he have on your life, and are you answering it? Here, Abram hears the call, and he answers. He goes, faithfully obeying God's clear direction. Secondly, here, faithfully blessing those around you. And you go, well, who all did he bless here? Verses 4 through 6. You see, Abram was a blessing to Lot, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old, when he departed from Haran. Abram was a blessing to his wife. Verse 5, and Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered. And Abram ultimately was a blessing to all who came with him in verse 5 and 6. And the people that they had acquired in Haran, they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the yoke of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. I just ask you, are you a blessing to those around you? And to what degree? Are you a soothing aroma to those around you? Or do you stink? Are you a flower or a stinker? I hope you have a soothing aroma and are a blessing to those around you. Thirdly, here and lastly, faithfully living a life of worship. Notice this. The first place he goes, what does he do? In verse seven. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, there it is, to your seed, I will give this land. There's the land, there's the offspring. So what does he do? He built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. In verse eight, from there he moved to the hill country and on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And what did he do there? And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. He's constantly building an altar, constantly offering sacrifice to his God. You are worthy of my praise, my worship, my whole life. Wherever I go, you're the centerpiece. First thing I do is I'm going to build an altar and worship you. Beloved, this should be our heart. Wherever we go, whatever we do, we should be worshiping him with our entire being, with all that we are. Worship here entails community. He worships with his people. Worship entails personal sacrifice as he builds an altar to sacrifice animals. And worship entails public proclamation Verse 8, it says, and he called upon the name of the Lord. Are you calling upon him, even right now, with where God is leading you? What's God's call in your life? Are you in the right place? Well, you guessed it. His name was Billy Graham. And Billy, of course, passed away February 21st, 2018 at the ripe age of 99 In 1940, he enrolled at Wheaton College in Wheaton, Illinois, studying anthropology. He graduated in 1943, and two months later married a fellow student, Ruth McHugh-Bell, whose parents were missionaries in China. Billy applied to become a U.S. Army chaplain, but was told he needed pastoral experience first, and so he accepted a call to a small Baptist church in Western Springs, Illinois, just outside Chicago. While there, he was offered the opportunity to host a 45-minute radio program called Songs in the Night on Chicago's largest radio station. It was there he met and became friends with Canada's George Beverly Shea, a soloist on the show. In 1945, Billy was invited to become the first full-time organizer for Youth for Christ, establishing a lifelong path for him as an evangelist. Four years later, while Billy was conducting evangelistic meetings in Los Angeles, the news media began covering him There were local stories, but also in the wire services and in Time, Life, and Newsweek magazines, what was initially supposed to be a few weeks of meetings attracted such large crowds that they continued for months. And shortly afterward, Billy began a national weekly radio program, The Hour of Decision, that aired on hundreds of stations in the U.S., Canada, and overseas. And during this very busy period, it became apparent that a formal... Formal organization would be needed to manage the growing momentum of a ministry that was once informally known as the Graham-Barrows Campaigns. In 1950, papers for incorporation were filled in St. Paul, Minnesota, and the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, BGEA, was born with the following mission, to take the message of Christ to all we can by every effective means available to us. And we all know how effective And thorough that ministry has been and still is to this day by God's grace. But it all started with what? A call. What is God calling you to do? Beloved, we need to listen to God's call in our lives, making sure we are where he wants us to be. As we listen to his voice and follow his leading, he promises to direct our paths, bless us and build us up in our faith We need to do all we can to be a blessing to everyone around us, faithfully living under his clear direction. God is the one who will make us a blessing to others. That's his work. He is the one who will protect us. He's the one who will lift us up to use us in a mighty way for his ultimate glory. Perhaps you're not Billy Graham. I get it. But are you listening to God's call in your life? Are you where you believe God wants you to be? Yes or no? Are you a blessing to those around you? Are you living by faith, trusting in him for what he has for you? No matter what it is that he might put on your heart to do and to be. Would you please stand as we close our service today? Our gracious Heavenly Father, you know the hearts before me. You know the calling that you have for each one. Lord, maybe we do have a Billy Graham in here. I don't know. Someone who has a heart to go preach your word throughout the world. Lord, only you can make that difference. Only you can raise that person up. But Lord, for those who are serving well in the vocations that you've blessed them with, that you've called them to, Lord, I pray that they would indeed be a blessing right where they are, regardless of where they're working and what vocation, knowing that that's a holy calling just as well, a sacred calling from you. Lord, might we serve you better. No matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, may we be found faithful But Lord, at the same time, it's possible there's someone who's misplaced. Someone who's not real satisfied with where they are, with what they believe God could and might yet do with them. We pray that your Holy Spirit would do his work in their hearts and lives. As you draw them to yourself, as you make things clear for them with what they should be doing, what they should be about, whether it is getting the training they need to do to following your, your lead, your guidance, your calling, stepping out in faith, that we might be found exactly where you want us to be, serving you joyfully with all the grace that you've poured into our hearts and our lives. And Lord, for those who don't know you, even this morning, that they would come to know you through this message as you might be calling them to salvation. That they might submit themselves to you and say, yes to you, Lord. I need you in my life right now, and I want to follow you. Besides the disciples who left everything to follow you, Lord, may we do the same, all of us in this room. So Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this example and Abram that we see by way of a calling for him. And Lord, may we apply those truths from this passage that we need to to our lives appropriately, accurately, as you might find significance by your Holy Spirit in our hearts with these things. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for attending to us. We look forward to seeing what you're going to do in and through us with your call on our hearts and our lives. We pray all this in your son's wonderful and awesome name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, have a fantastic week. Thanks for coming.